mic is hot and the game is on. You're listening to News for the Nation podcast by Aces Nation, where we talk about nutrition, sports performance, the journey of a student athlete, and more. I'm Claire. I'm Zach. Time Time to to level level up. Welcome back, sports fans. Today, we are going over another documentary and giving it a review. Uh, Again, most of our documentaries that we're going to do are going to be sports-based or uh, health and fitness-related. Uh, just because we want to keep it on topic and talk about things that we actually know about and not do like a documentary on like um, uh, treasure hunting. Yeah. Or antique cars or something like that. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And with health and fitness and sports here Uh, this time we are going to review live to a hundred secrets of the blue zones. Uh, It's on Netflix, Mm -hmm. uh, which was Really an interesting uh, little documentary, little series, only four episodes long, uh, but 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 good stuff, everyone. Claire, you, you've heard of Blue Zones before? Yes. Um, I don't know where, <laughs> but it had to have been probably in like middle school or high school. I want to say it was from my mom or the news. I think she might have seen it on the news when they were doing their study. So the name definitely rang a bell, but I had not seen the documentary before. Man, that's awesome. Um, yeah, you had alluded to um, off air here that you knew about the study that they did later in the show, but mm-hmm. I did. I had never even heard of that until this show. So it's funny that yeah. I knew about Blue Zones bef- before I'd ever heard of that, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they brought that to the table. So uh, yeah. that was good. So okay, for anyone who's seen it, they kind of summarized the um, whole thing into about four different areas. And we're going to just break down and give our thoughts in those four different areas in general. Uh, But Mm -hmm. before we get started, the people need to know, do you want to live to be over a hundred? I would, if my quality of life is as good as the people in this documentary was, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to just be a hundred to say I got to a hundred. I want to be living my life when I'm still a hundred. I want to right. still be doing things and maybe obviously not as active as I am now, but um, I mean, some of those, and we'll talk about it, but some of those people in that documentary were a hundred over a hundred and they didn't like a day over 70 or 80. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's an interesting thing you just brought up here. I, I remember whenever they interviewed somebody um, who was up there in age, uh, sorry for the the term, but uh, the phrase <laughs> there, but so they always put the age on there. I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest, Claire. I don't remember them putting a hundred year old person on there. I remember a bunch of nineties. There were multiple that were over a hundred. I think one was from Japan. Okay. And then there was definitely one in Costa Rica. And I believe there were one or two from Greece. Okay. There were um, definitely a lot of 80s and 90s in there, though. The majority were 80s and 90s. So go back to the Japan one. Mm-hmm. What Can you describe the person that was over 100 in Japan? Like what this person looked like? Was it a man? Was it a woman? Was it was it- a woman. Okay. It was go a on. woman. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't really know how exactly to describe her other than she okay. was an older woman. Um, wow. Um, vibrant full of life um but she was over 100 okay all right so that was early on uh that's like yeah. first first episode uh they were in okinawa japan mm-hmm. um 
What was the lady from Sardinia? Was she over a hundred? Remember, she was like the grandma mm. or something like that. I don't think so. I think she was in her nineties. Okay. All right. Regardless. Okay. <laughs> I I don't remember a bunch of a hundreds on there, but, but uh, there's definitely at least one and, and potentially others like later on. So very cool that they got them on the documentary being active and like actually like how they live their life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree with you, Claire. Like I want to have a good um, quality of life, but I actually have a goal to live to be over a hundred because I want to see the year 2100. Okay. Yeah. Fair I, enough. Ask, yeah. Don't ask me why, but I want to see that year. I, I just want to be there. Yeah. And, it's cool. It's cool to see, see a new century, yeah. I guess. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Anyway. How many people can say that? <laughs> yeah. Not a lot. Right. Um, okay. So let's go through them here. So the, I guess we can, we can say all of them here. The first mm-hmm. one we're going to go over is connect. And then we're going to go over move naturally and then positive outlook. And then uh, the last one we're going to go over is eat wisely. So we're going to end with mm-hmm. nutrition because we've got Claire here and she's going to bring us the truth. Um, yeah. So these are all great concepts, right? For anyone to uh, hold on to, but especially if you're trying to uh, beat father time, if you will. Mm-hmm. So the connect part, uh, what I got from this was, having a really supportive group of people around you, like having a great community that includes your family and is mostly Mm -hmm. uh, at the forefront, your family, but also people in the community with, uh, I guess, a similar situation as you. So also elderly people um, Mm -hmm. in the community. That's what I got from it was having your family around you and supporting you. And then also having people in the same, uh, chronological situation as you yeah yeah um yes I got both of those things from that as well I do remember at the end him mentioning that also just having a sense of community in that the older generations are interacting with the younger generations whether they're family or not but you know having this kind of sense of like closeness versus maybe how you look at some of our communities now especially in like bigger cities where People are just on their phones walking. They have their headphones in They're, You know, everybody's go, go, go. And you don't really see this sense of like community. Um, So yeah, it was definitely that, you know, having your family in the forefront, taking care of your family as generations get older, instead of putting them in homes, having their children or places um, at home for them and having family members care for them, keeping them in that family unit. And then having that sense of community from a friend perspective that can come and talk to them. They can do things together um, and kind of keep that sense of like vitality and community alive, even though they're, they're getting older and they may need assistance from their family in other areas. Yeah. Uh, The community that you were talking about with the old and younger population, uh, mixing together and that was like a really small country but i cannot think of the name of it right now Mm. i can't remember either yeah anyways yeah so so that community where they were mixing together uh was actually i think it was a government structural um, was that singapore could have been could have been i think it was singapore yeah so 
it was a structure where the government or whoever they set it up that way so that people were flowing in together mm-hmm. uh, where um healthcare was in the same building for most of the elderly population you know they had access to uh rooftop gardens so they could you know mm-hmm. uh, be occupied or you know stay active and then uh and then that bottom area was like that food cart a food court excuse me, mar- or marketplace where younger people would come through, you know, and everybody mm-hmm. could, could do that. Um, so yeah, I thought that was great too, to kind of have that mix uh, of people, but, but also in that same country, they had those, um, they had that incentive or that stipend where if your elderly parents live closer to you, you got money back from the government. Yeah, so they, they were trying to encourage that. Like they didn't need to live with you, uh, but, but being closer to you. Um, yeah. And they said, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's great um, to keep them around for like grandkids, you know, and, mm-hmm. and also for their kind of vitality as well. Um, yeah. The, the narrator, I, I cannot remember his name right now, but he Dan. was also D A N. Yeah. Dan Buter, I think. Butner, okay. something like that. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you I didn't just make that up. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were saying his name or throwing out an expletive. So um, anyways, uh, so I think he mentioned that about 50% of people who go into assisted living homes or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. it was like some type of decrease in their life expectancy. Like, yeah, like have like two, I don't want to say two years. I I don't want to say speculate anything, but it was something about their life. Yeah, their life expectancy was less if they went into um, an assisted living facility, yeah. like away from their family. So I thought that was a, an interesting concept, you know, and it honestly made me think about um, my grandparents in the past and like situations that I've had with my family. Um, it's just like, you know, what would what would I change or like what would I like to see in the future when my parents get to that type of stage? So it, it was a nice mm-hmm. like thought provoking uh segment for me or like you know those points just kind of i don't know they hit home in a in a sense i guess yeah i think in general i think it just speaks to the the idea of having a sense of community and where now there's just a lot of isolation um you know trying to get away from that and moving back to this sense of communal living i think was was great so i can definitely resonate with that and i can definitely see how that would help just increase the quality and quantity of your life. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, another concept that they brought up in Okinawa was uh, the Moai. Remember the uh, the little community mm-hmm. where they like yeah. kind of, uh, I, I thought that was awesome, fascinating, this concept of uh, this group of women, like, I don't know if they have like social security or something, sort of like that or how they were making money or how they had money, but they were pooling together a little bit of money to just keep in case someone needs to go to the hospital and they would help them pay those hospital bills. I thought that Mm -hmm. was awesome. Yeah. Or whatever they needed. Yeah. And they were just kind of checking on each other, you know, and and kind of held each other in support through that group. It was awesome. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of some things like that you hear about here in America, like uh, groups of friends that put together like, meal trains for people that are in the hospital or women that just gave birth for their families. Um, You know, if somebody unfortunately or unexpectedly passes away, 
you see that a lot. Um, so I do think there, there are some groups like that here too. They, they maybe not are necessarily as organized as maybe that is in Okinawa. Um, but I do think there is some of that here too, which is nice to kind of reflect on and see that, you know, we're not doing everything wrong. We, you know, we have some of that here as well. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that the groups here, uh, that we were taught or we were brought up learning that they are as meaningful as something in their culture though. Right. Right. Just drawing some similarities. Yeah. 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 But I agree. Like we have those types of support groups happening already. Um, it's just an interesting concept and I'm, I'm glad that they, uh, kind of shed some light on that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else from connect? I think that was really it. I mean, I think it was just this overarching idea of having a sense of community, both from your family and both from those within the rest of your community. Um, you know, really pouring into, those groups, like you said, in Okinawa, having that group so that in times of need, you know, you have a group that you can lean on, um, but then also pouring into younger generations and, and, you know, having that sense of community in that aspect as well. Right. Uh, so other types of groups I, I just thought of here that they may have for like support would also be groups who do activities or, um, uh, volunteer groups and stuff like that. They mentioned that people who volunteer um, have a higher life expectancy or, or happiness or something like that. Less lonely, I believe was the thing. So mm-hmm. um, feeling connected was definitely something that they hit home on, uh, which was important for uh, having a longer life expectancy. So uh, moving into the next one, we are going to talk about move natural. Naturally. Mm-hmm. So this was another thing that they touched on in about every single thing. Uh, what the little points that they mentioned here was like doing stuff by hand or having a garden or walking. Uh, one mm-hmm. thing, one thing about walking that I found was interesting was there was a study done uh, when they were talking about the Sardinian uh, people, and it was like the incline of the city that you live in somehow relates to your life expectancy. If you yeah. walk around stuff, I thought that was in- interesting that if your city has more of an incline and, and you walk around a lot, you will have a I don't know, some, yeah. some, somewhat better lifestyle and health overall. So that, that was a, that was just interesting. Number one, that they did a study on that, but, but two, it's like, it makes sense when you've got these um, cities that are up in the mountains or up in the Hills, you know, and, they have to be on at an angle at some point, you know, and you can mm-hmm. move around. So um, that was cool. But give us your thoughts on the move naturally segment. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I think that's something that I talk about a decent amount, maybe not necessarily on this podcast, but I think as a society in America, at least our lives are relatively sedentary. And I, I don't think that's great. I mean, I think even if you look at a lot of the, our, Kids, um, you know, like they may be, they're obviously involved in sports and that's great, but what do they do the rest of their day? They sit at school, right? So, um, you know, I think there's a lot to say of people and cultures that just move more throughout their day. And in these 
blue zones, what they were doing kind of lended naturally, like it said, natural movement, moving more naturally to moving more, whether that be because they had a garden that they needed to tend to every day. Um, maybe they didn't have access to a grocery store or X, Y, and Z. So they had to farm and they have to walk and they're more mobile or they don't have microwaves or ovens or the kitchen equipment that we do. So they're using stones to grind corn to make tortillas, you know? So, um, I do think that that is pretty, you know, obvious to, to why those people are healthier and why that leads to a longer life and a higher quality of life because you are moving your body. And I'm sure that they have less, I think it was mentioned, they have almost no diabetes, less cardiovascular disease. Um, you know, they have less disease rates as well, which makes sense when their life expectancy is so much higher because their natural movement is so much higher. Um, that's why with a lot of, um, maybe not necessarily like the young athletes I work with, but I always will say that if you can increase your NEAT, which is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So if you can increase the amount that you're moving in other ways, that is not just exercise, like walking or cleaning or doing chores or whatever throughout the day, you'll notice that your caloric expenditure goes up significantly because you're still utilizing a lot of energy. And that was a big theme that the narrator brought up is these people don't exercise. They don't go to the gym. That is their exercise. Exercise is part of their lifestyle because they're gardening or farming or they're walking to the market or they're walking to their friend's house. So um, I am 100% in agreement with that. And I think that's one simple thing that people can do to drastically change their lifestyle. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a lot of things in here from a societal standpoint, um, in a couple of the examples were they had uh, in the study that was done in Minnesota, like they had walkways built so people could walk around town. Right. Uh, I mm -hmm. think that was how, that's how Singapore was set up too. So you could walk around a lot. Also they had like, uh, you know, in, in Tampa and Bayshore, they've got those little activity stations right so like yeah they had you remember those those older guys with their shirt off doing pull-ups mm -hmm. and stuff mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> like they they if you have stuff like that around like people are probably they're, they're more likely to uh do some exercise when they come up on one of those you know on a mm -hmm. walking trail so um you know i think the higher ups setting up society making it a priority is is definitely something that will also benefit everyone as well um yeah the the car thing remember they they didn't have cars right right yeah they have to walk or yeah. ride horses or whatever yeah, yeah yeah or you know i don't know they take public transportation so they like discourage a lot walk of walk to the bus uh, stop uh, yep yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so uh yeah and then uh the gardening thing for sure um having mm -hmm. gr groups that also do physical activity like the uh loma linda people they were like yeah into tennis or pickleball i think it was pickleball um, yeah so so having a group that was active that's like a two for one of what we just talked about. right <laughs> i was gonna right. say so um yeah i think it was just important for them to like you said i think you put it great like like activity was their was their lifestyle you know, like it was a part mm -hmm. of it it wasn't like uh maybe you and i where we set aside time to go exercise like they have I don't know. It's not like that for them, you know, um, in this one. Yeah. So, yeah. They just need to, uh, 
make that a part of their life and be, be absolutely so yeah I think the one thing um I will say the one thing that has made it easy to incorporate in my lifestyle and I I you might agree with me on this is getting a dog <laughs> yeah 100 percent. yeah they're they're like guaranteed to increase your activity level yeah and it's not necessarily exercise it's taking care of this thing that I bought <laughs> right right yeah I mean you got you got to get up and take them for a walk and stuff because they need it right so mm -hmm, yeah, I mm -hmm. agree. You know, find a find a way to make that a part of your life when you can. Aces Nation is a team of former college athletes and coaches on a mission to improve the sports culture experience and change today's expectations. We do this by helping every player maximize their athletic potential with professional programs to improve strength, speed, nutrition, and mental toughness, and by using sports to create a direct pathway to college with a guaranteed college scholarship program for all student-athletes. Visit acesnation.org to learn more and schedule a demo. Let's go. Oh, before we move on to the next one, I remember in the Okinawa um, segment or the episode, I think it was the first episode, where he was mentioning that people just mostly sit on the floor, right? So they end up, they yes. end up doing like a number of squats every day just to get up and yeah. down and stuff like that. So. Uh, yeah. your, your own lifestyle is also a part of that too, where they're, you're encouraged right. to move up and down a lot during the day. Yeah. That was, that's a good point. Yeah. I think it was somewhere between like 30 to 50 a day yeah. and then their flexibility and mobility oh, is also incredible. amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was cool. That was cool. Um, so having a group and being active with a group you know, or, or having something like a garden or, you know, somewhere to go and you're walking, um, mm -hmm. you know, can give you a sense of purpose, right. can make you feel that way. Like you have something to do every day. And mm -hmm. that's, that's our, our next topic is, is moving into outlook. Um, things that they talked about um, and listed here was one, it was like reducing stress and like mm -hmm. unwinding and kind yep. of ha having a pers uh, perspective. Um, uh, uh, there was a solely faith-based group, uh, that was mm -hmm. in Loma Linda. Uh, and then, like I said, having a purpose, like feeling like you got something. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I think that that purpose part falls back into your family, falls back into that concept of Moai, where you mm -hmm. have a group of people kind of depending on you, um, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it could even fall into the the movement one, too. If you have a garden, if you're a rancher, if you're a farmer, you know, so a lot of these are connected. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, because uh, that one one group, um, that one blue zone had uh, sheep or goats or something that they were looking mm -hmm. after. And so yeah. uh, that was something that they had to do was, uh, you know, tend to those sheep and like let them out and, and do all that stuff. So, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think this one is a big one. I think that I I see it not only in, in maybe older generations, but I think you see it now in younger generations too, of there's a lack of felt purpose. Um, and I think that leads to generally, I think that just leads to a lower quality of life. It leads to a lot of emotional distress. Um, and so I think if there can be this purpose, whether it be from a religious perspective, whether it be familial, whether it be just having something outside of yourself that you need to care for and tend to, I, I think everybody needs to have that in order to feel needed. Um, 
I, I really liked um, the point that he made of, um, you know, this idea of like retirement, where a lot of the people that the narrator was talking to were like, we don't retire. Like, there's no point in retiring. If I retire and become a couch potato, I die. You know, I don't have a purpose anymore. And I, I thought that was really powerful because when you think of a lot of Americans, a lot of them work to retire and then they're like, okay, now I can relax. Now I can finally just be. And um, a lot of these people were saying, no, like we work really hard, but we also find time to relax and de-stress and enjoy ourselves so that, you know, we don't have to feel that way. And we don't feel that way because if we retire and just sit around all day, we lose our sense of purpose. And ultimately I think that translates into, we lose our will and our desire to live. So I thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah. I, I think it is too. I'm uh, sorry. I got kind of sidetracked because I think I remembered the lady who was a hundred years old. <laughs> was it's she coming lady, back to you. Was she the lady throwing the hoops around those little. Uh, so. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. She was like the first one. <laughs> yeah. All right. I remember exactly who she was anyways. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Like having that concept of like, I'm done working and just being like couch potato. So one of the guys said that. Yeah. Um, having that concept of like, almost disconnecting yourself from what's happening in the world because now you're quote unquote mm -hmm. retired. Yeah. Can, can be dangerous. Um, yeah. And I think that can lead to that sense of loneliness too. Not even just a lack of purpose, but like, where's your community? A lot of these people have community at work. They have community, you know, maybe even their family too. Like when you're retired, maybe sometimes, you know, you go off by yourself a lot on vacation or just kind of stay in your house or do whatever. And I think that lends itself to, again, that kind of isolation and you're not a part of that community either. And that's a big, big sense of having a purpose. Yeah, I agree. And and when you brought up um, younger people struggling with this too, I think that all of these things really kind of, you know, they kind of feed off of each other and play into each other, right? If you don't have that purpose, you're probably less likely to be connected to people or feel like you have less of a connection. And then those that loneliness also plays into all the decisions you make about your health. Um, mm -hmm. And it can just be a, a bad thing if, if you ever yeah. find yourself um, in, in a situation like that, either feeling like you don't have a community and now you don't have a purpose or you don't have a purpose. Now you don't have a community and then all the health stuff that comes with it uh, yeah. just being sedentary or, um, you know, it's feeling, a, it's feeling a, down. yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just a cycle. They all it's cyclical and it's a domino effect too. Yeah. Uh one of the ladies in there was talking about controlling your stress. She's mentioning that. I, I think that's a big one is to just kind of manage your stress as much as you can. Um, yeah. By what you surround yourself with, what you fill yourself up with and expose mm -hmm. yourself to. Um, that, that was a big one. I mean, obviously you and I know the, the effects of, of cortisol, uh, on the body mm -hmm. you know, over time. Those mm -hmm. are, that's not good. So, um, no. chronic stress is probably, I would say probably one of the biggest contributors to chronic diseases, yeah. um, that we have. So uh, I think sometimes people also forget that 
stress comes in multiple forms. Like, yes, you have that emotional stress. And I think that's what people typically associate with stress, the word stress, but there's also physical stress. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that stress your body, whether from a physical perspective, exercise, not eating enough, um, not sleeping enough, not recovering well. So that on top of maybe you have two tests to study for, or you just got laid off, or um, your partner is bothering you, or whatever the case might be, those all pile up and they all are stressors to your body. So I think um, people need to take that into account too, of like, if you're emotionally stressed, and your way of maybe clearing your head is going to the gym and working out, maybe that's not actually helping as much as it as you think it is, maybe it would be more helpful to just go for a walk, or do something that's a little bit less, quote unquote, stressful to your body. Um, so I think that's important to point out too, is one, this acute versus chronic stress, and two, that these stressors can add up quickly, and you need to understand what is causing stress to your body, and it's not just feeling emotionally stressed. Right. Those are good points. Great, great pro- prophet once said, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> um, so moving into the last one here uh, was eat wisely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three points that they put on this <laughs> Where we're great. Like, mm-hmm. I, uh, first one was plant based. Okay. Which we'll talk about because uh, we, we had the whole game changers uh, review a couple episodes ago. Uh, yep. The second one, the second one was wine, uh, which uh-huh. I thought was very interesting that they put that on there because they only showed like a couple areas that were in like a quote unquote wine country. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one was moderate. Um, gosh, which I, I wish I could remember that phrase they said. It was the 80% rule. I, I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I forget. Uh, man. I, uh, yeah. Look it up while I talk. <laughs> I, I will. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So I I definitely agree with a lot of what, what they were saying. And I can 100% understand Um where that correlation is. Um, the one, the wine one, obviously, um, I think there's, you know, give and take to that. Um, I think in moderation, that's fine. I think it's also important to recognize too, that they're making that and it's not, you know, going through like a whole like industrial process, like they're making it and they're drinking the wine that they are making. So I think that's important to, to point out. Um, The plant-based thing, um, I agree with that. And I think it's important to also point out that plant-based and vegan vegetarian are two separate things. So plant-based is essentially meaning that they have a large part of their diet coming from plants. It doesn't mean it's solely from plants. Um, But a lot of the countries that were featured in the documentary eat a lot of vegetables, they eat a lot of legumes, they eat a lot of um, tubers, they eat a lot of starches, but they eat a lot of those things that one, they're growing. Um, Yes. Claire, say what tubers are for the uh, Uh, like sweet potatoes, potatoes, sweet potatoes, things that grow in the ground. Um, So they use a lot of that. They're also using a lot of herbs, they're using a lot of spices, they're using a lot of um, I can't remember what country it was, but looking at like using particular ingredients for particular things like 
um, looking at um, squid ink soup for like inflammation or whatever, or detoxing, looking at like seaweed for particular things, looking at like turmeric and um, antioxidants for inflammation. So um, I do think that that is largely missing from the standard American diet. Um, you know, when even in some of the places that he was going and he, you know, got off the plane or started driving and you see all of these like fast food restaurants, um, that's largely what we see. But, you know, when he actually got to where the blue zone was, those were nowhere to be seen. And most of this food is being home cooked. Um, maybe they're growing it, maybe they're getting it from neighbors, they're getting it from somebody's garden, they're getting it from a market where it's fresh, um, or it's minimally processed. Um, so I think that's important to note too. And even in, um, I can't remember what country it was, but he asked one of the daughters of the, one of the elder gentlemen, and he said, you know, he was kind of asking about her children and their diet. And the the elder gentleman was like, well, I hope they eat like me, but you know, things are different now. And she was saying, you know, they just want cookies and pretzels and like all of the, these like snacky high carb processed stuff. Um, and so it's very hard to get them to eat like beans and rice or eat corn or eat um, soups and things like this that we grew up on or that my grandfather grew up eating um, that we believe and he believes has given him and, and lent to living such a long, prosperous life. Um, it's hard because those things are so palatable. And a five year old is going to choose cookies over a corn and beef, whatever stew, you know, so I think that's I think the plant basing definitely has merit. I do think that animal products have a place and I do think that they're especially important. I know we talk about athletes. I think they're important in an athlete's diet because their protein needs are so high. Um, but I do think having a more plant forward diet is important. And I think that's something that's very much lacking here. Yeah. A good point that you made at the end there, because right now we're talking about, uh, the elderly population in this study, right? Yeah. That they are definitely not athletes and don't have the same nutritional needs as them. No. But just for everyone's uh, information here, I consider older people who are active to be geri athletes. <laughs> that would that would make sense. Yeah, that's what I consider. <laughs> I mean, did you see the muscles on that one lady? She was showing off her biceps. She was pretty yeah. strong. And I think that that is one thing that is also overlooked is that muscle is very powerful. And as you get older, muscle is very important. And it's important to maintain the muscle mass that you've built and try to maintain that throughout your geriatric life. Um, you know, because as you get older, it's very hard to build. You probably won't be building more muscle, but it's very hard to maintain the muscle that you've built um, losing it become, it, it kind of becomes a race to, to lose as little as possible each year. Yeah, I agree. Cause you're going to lose it. You're going to lose some, but you know, try right. to keep as much as you can. It's yeah. It's just a matter of how much and how quickly the phrase that I couldn't remember was Harahachibu. Harahachibu. Yes. No. So that is the, that's a good segue. We'll, we'll just go into that. So that is the 80% rule. Right. From Okinawa, correct? Yes. Um, correct. Correct. Where they stop eating when they're 80% full. Um, 
I think that's great. I think that that, you know, that's something that I worked with a lot of clients I had when I was working in eating disorders. Um, because essentially just it's the idea of bringing awareness, right? It's, it's not mindlessly eating. It's being aware of what you're doing, being aware of your body, being aware of the signals and the communication and the sensations that your body physically is giving you. Um, and I think so often we don't do that, whether it's we're, we're following something externally, like we're counting macros or we're tied to a meal plan or something where it says you like eat this much. And we're like, okay, we eat this much, but we don't listen to, am I still hungry? Am I full? Like, was I full half a plate ago? What is going on? And so often we lose that connection with our body. And that's so important. Um, when you look at uh, kids, especially kids that are young enough where they can't talk, they'll tell you when they're full. They'll tell you when they're hungry, right? You know, we, I think as adults sometimes lose that and that's so important. So I think that that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is just getting rid of distractions when you're eating. So I think, again, another thing that we've lost is this sense of community while eating at a table with friends, with family. Um, I, I'm glad I did that when I was growing up every, every night for dinner, we sat at the table. There weren't a lot of us. It was just my parents and my sister, but we ate at the table every night. We sat, we talked, you know, there wasn't eating in front of the TV. There was no games in terms of like, nobody had their phones out. Um, so I think this idea of like kids having tablets while they're eating or everybody eating in front of the TV and not to say that I haven't done that because I have, but it just takes away from being able to be mindful. And then that takes away from being able to comprehend if you're full. And a lot of times it takes time for those hormones to signal. So you may be full now, but you're watching TV, you're occupied, you're still eating because there's more on your plate. And 10 minutes go by and you're like, my need to unbutton my pants. I'm so full. And that's, we don't want to get to that point. I agree. Distracted eating is, is, uh, no bueno. Yeah. It's not good. It's, uh, somewhat of a pandemic around the world. Um, yeah. Also, I mean, also fun fact is like, I, I'm a fast eater. Like I eat super fast and that's, <laughs> you not do. Great. that's not great for that 80% rule either because your, your brain's not going to be able to receive those signals from your stomach that quickly. So it's also yeah. good to be mindful of uh, like how fast you're eating, right? Like, if you're in a hurry or whatever, you know. Yeah. Try and oh. slow down if you can. Right, right, right. And then another thing I think they brought up in there uh, was when it's lunchtime, like it's lunchtime, you know, like. Yeah. It's not, it's not anything else, right? It's Just, not work time. Yeah, no. Spend that time for yourself. Yeah. Also, and yeah. I and do you think that's one good thing about adolescents and kids in school like they get that time typically to sit down and eat lunch with their peers which I think is great that's wonderful I will say sometimes lunchtime is too short I think in like I don't remember what grade but like 15 minutes is not enough for lunch you know give them 30 minutes um you know 30 minutes for lunch where they can sit they can relax they can catch up with their friends like actually enjoy that time and then go back to learning and whatever, because if they're stressed when they're eating, you know, that's just going to set the rest of the afternoon up for failure. Maybe they're hungry. They're just still, they're like stressed and wired and it's just not good for the body. So 
that yeah that's a great one the other thing of like this culture of like working through lunch or eating lunch at your desk every day or sitting in front of your computer it's not good again that that stress that fight or flight your body might not or you might not necessarily recognize that that is stressful but your body will recognize that that is stressful because you're multitasking um maybe there's like you're trying to deal with a fire put a fire out do this do this and it's just not conducive to good digestion and good nutrition. Right. All good points there. All good points. Yeah. So um, I love that rule. I think it's great. Yeah, I do too. Um, hopefully we can implement that a little bit more. So this was a good, good documentary to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, good four part series there. Um, have a community, uh, make movement and activity like part of your lifestyle. Uh, make sure that you've got something to keep your sense of purpose uh, intact and thriving and mm-hmm. eat wisely, you know, have a great yeah. diet at least. So, could you have any closing thoughts for that? Yeah. No, I think we covered it. I mean, definitely check it out. Um, I, I think they did a really good job of just holistically kind of pointing out some things that people can implement to just improve the quality of your life doesn't necessarily mean that you'll live to 100 so maybe take that with a grain of salt um but i i highly doubt that it will harm you um so as long as you're doing these things mindfully and incorporating them in a you know a safe and healthy way um the worst thing that could happen is your quality of life improves thank you for that Mm -hmm. Um, you guys make sure you subscribe Um, make sure you follow us on social media uh we're aces nation so yeah, we'll, we'll get back uh, next week or the next podcast. Uh, we're coming back with sports-related topic again. So uh, this is always fun to go and watch these. It's a good documentary. You guys check it out on Netflix, Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zones. Uh, Claire, thank you. Uh, we will catch you on the next one. See ya.